I'll tell you what, when I, um, when I started uh, thinking about this sermon, I, was, I had this image in my mind, and, and uh, you know, sometimes you just, where, when you start out, you think this is where it's going to go, and so uh, I started, and, and uh, then I started looking up some other things, and so I hope, um, I hope that uh, you came prepared to allow God's word to speak to us, no matter what it is that um, his word is going to talk to us, not my words, but uh, God's word is going to uh, share with our hearts and our minds. Now, I know that many of you know my mother, and my mother is a master at guilt tripping. She, <clears throat> she, she, you know other people, any of you know guilt trippers? How many of, how many of you have know people that say, hey, whatever, and then you feel like you're on a guilt trip, and if I don't do it, I'm in trouble, and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. So my, my, now this is a story that I heard, so I'm, I'm just going to equate it to myself just for fun. And um, so my mother, who uh, showed me a picture of her by her phone and waiting on a phone call that I never gave her. And so she's just waiting by the phone all the time. I'm here waiting. Nobody, you won't call me and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm talking to my brother. You know I have a twin brother. And, and uh, Tim's always talking about, well, I talked to mom and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm guilt, I'm guilt tripped right now. And, and she probably told him to give me a call and all that kind of stuff. And so I said, Mom, you need to get an answering machine. If you get an answering machine, I can leave a message. And uh, so wouldn't you know it, she called up Tim, and Tim got her an answering machine. And so she got it all hooked up, and I thought, well, I better call her. And so when I called the next time, I got the machine, and here's what it said. If you're a salesperson, press 1. If you're a friend, press 2. If you're my son who never calls, press 911, because the shock is probably going to give me a heart attack. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny and um, thought I'd share that. But you all know guilt trippers, and I know that the sermon title does not say guilt tripping. The, the title is really a sidetrack of, of um, philosophies that I think are, we each deal with. And that is people who deal with things to try and get other people to do what they want them to do. Manipulation. Manipulators. I'll tell you what, have you ever felt like you've been manipulated? I know I have. And you, if you go onto a car lot, you're going to feel like you're being manipulated. You get the phone thing, the, the phone messages saying, we're here to help you out, and you just feel like you're just being manipulated. Well, I, I was looking through the scriptures 
And I was trying to, under, trying to think about <clears throat> manipulation's been around for a long time. And let's just be honest with one another. We all manipulate. We all say things. Why? <clears throat> like the title of the sermon is, What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this thing? If I can do this one thing, what will you do for me? So a lot of times things come out of our mouths that we're trying to manipulate other people to do things or not. Please understand, I'm not saying that, that it's not being done. I know it's being done. But we see here in the scriptures people who manipulate. And I wanted to go through the scriptures to help us to understand what people were being manipulated and how their attitudes changed after Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Manipulation is an unhealthy psychological tactic used to control how someone thinks or feels or behaves. Almost everyone engages in this behavior from time to time, but those, there are those that do it with intentional, intentional ways to influence another person's perception or reaction. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I, 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 was, I was already doing the sermon. So I'd already been thinking about this. And the person told me something that they said to somebody. And I said, so you were trying to manipulate them. And they said, well, this is what I needed. And I said, but you were trying to manipulate them to do what you wanted them to do. Yeah, I guess I was, because they'd feel sorry for me if I did this. Now, if you've ever heard somebody say things like, um, I need to do this or I'm not going to have a way to work. I need you to fix this because this is, I need it done by this next week because here's what's coming up. I need this done right now. And, you're, and they're, they're, trying, they're using whatever they can to manipulate you into doing what you want, they want you to do. So I looked up some things in, in scriptures, and I'm not going to go through everything, but if you would like some of these, I can make sure that you have them. But I'll give you the scriptures and give you the phrasings that go along with it. And think about the, the, the idea of manipulation. People use flattery to manipulate. Flattery. You're the best mom. Man, I love you so much. And what do, you, what do you say right then? What do you want? What do you want? So we use flattery to do this. And here's what the scriptures say in Matthew 22, verses 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk, trying to manipulate the words that they use 
saying, Teacher, we know you are true, and you teach the way of God in truth. Tell us, are we supposed to pay taxes to Caesar? But Jesus said, Why do you test me? Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And when they marveled at his words, they left him alone. But they were trying to manipulate him. Matthew chapter 22. Verbal word games. You know that people are using verbal word games with you when your mind gets confused about what you're trying, what you're trying to do. And you get confused about even what you're talking about and your mind gets messed up. Some people, another way that they manipulate you is they'll lie or they'll distort the reality of what it is. They'll say things to you like, well, that didn't happen. I never said that. You're crazy. What's the matter with you? All of a sudden, we start thinking, did I say that or not say it? Did I, did, did I, did I come across wrong? Did I, did I do the wrong thing? These tactics work because they erode our reality. They erode, they, they erode what we think is true. In John chapter 7, verses 19 to 25... Here's what they said to Jesus. Didn't Moses give you the law? Yet you don't keep the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The people answered and said, You have a demon. Who's seeking to kill you? Nobody's seeking to kill you. You're crazy. But in other words, the people told Jesus that he was demon-possessed and that he had no right to feel the way that he was feeling. Emotional or abusive behavior. I tell you what, some people can just pour it on. Tears will come down their, come down their cheeks. All of a sudden, you feel so bad for what you said or what you did. Even though you may have felt justified in what it was, you're just, oh, I made them... Don't cry, please. Don't make me feel this way. <clears throat> Abusive behavior. Another way that people try to manipulate situations. In, in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel 18, King Saul used these methods against David. Have you ever felt intimidated by somebody who's taller or bigger and they just look down at you, and they try to get you to do what they want because they are bigger than you are. Threats that are used. John chapter 19. This is the Pharisees as they are talking to um, Pontius Pilate. Here's what they said. They had already brought Jesus, Jesus to Pilate to talk to him. And they, Pilate kept saying, 
I don't see anything wrong with this man. It's, he just kept going on and on. I don't see what's going on here. Why do you want this? And here's what they said. If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Everybody hates you. Everybody will hate you if you don't do this. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. They were manipulating his feelings. They were trying to get him to feel a certain way so that he would do what they wanted him to do. Guilt. Feeling guilty about what you've been given. Feeling guilty about the blessings that you have had. Feeling guilty about not giving away your money, not giving it to everything. You have enough money, you can do this. I don't want to do it. But it's nothing to you. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 says, Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. The Apostle John decrees, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. If this is true, we should never feel motivated or manipulated by guilt. Now you may say, Tom, what does this have to do with, with uh, the scriptures? I'm going to give you just a few more sayings. That's not what I said. Try to change the words around. You shouldn't feel that way. You don't have right feelings. You're overreacting. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be this way because this isn't how, it's a bigger deal than what it is, what you're making it. You made me do this. You ever had that word turned around on you? You're the one that made me do this. Why, why you are the way you are? I said I was sorry. Here's another one. I said I was sorry. What do you want from me? Can't you just forgive me and let it go? <coughs> You're too sensitive. You know you'd do that if you love me. These are all phrases that people use to manipulate. Now, you, you may say, Tom, where, where, where is this going at with the scriptures? I want us to turn to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. We're going to look at some people and how they were, they were either trying to manipulate or they were being manipulated. John chapter 18, verses 10 and 11. Now, this is, this is about Peter. We have, to, we have to think about his mental attitude and how he did things. Peter was always, speak now, figure it out later with what you said. That type of a person. Peter is in the garden with the other disciples, with the three other, two other disciples. And they're praying with Jesus. All of a sudden, Judas and the, the guards come up and Peter was always one to react first and so what did he do 
when he saw them coming after Jesus, he, um, he reacted quickly and pulled out. Well, here's what it says. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Am I not supposed to do what God tells tells me to do? We see here that sometimes we react before we think about what we're supposed to do. We, he was trying to manipulate the situation. He was trying to take things into his control. Let me just give you a clue. God doesn't want us to be in control. God wants him to be in control. God wants us to realize that it's not about me and what I want. It's about what he wants. Now, you may say, well, Tom, Peter, Peter totally changed after this. He changed. Are we different than we were 20 years ago? You know we are. Do we say things that are different? Do we think about, and when we see somebody say something, we're thinking, you're not old enough to know and understand what's going on here. You need to just settle down and let things play out. Sometimes we want to manipulate. We want to take control. Peter, I want you to think about what happens after Jesus comes out of the tomb and Peter is back at the, uh, at the house with the other disciples and before they go out. Has Peter's attitudes changed? Yes, it has. Is he any, any more pulling out a sword and saying, let's go to fight? He's saying, no, I want to live for Jesus. I want to live for what he represented. We go to verses 19 to 24 in chapter 18. <clears throat> there's two people that, there's three people that are involved in this, this uh, talking point. There's Jesus, there's Annas, and there's a guard. I want you to think about the term manipulation. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. Is Jesus trying to manipulate? And I taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always met, always meet. And in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, here we go, manipulation, trying to take control of the situation. One of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil... Bear witness of that evil. Tell me what it is that I said wrong. But if it well, 
Why do you strike me? But if I didn't, why did you hit me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. He knew that Jesus could not be manipulated because he grabbed a hold of the situation. Why? His calm presence, his total trust in God. We then see verses 29 to 32. We see another person, and this is Pilate. Verses 29 to 32 of chapter 18. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would have not delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. We see here that there's a manipulation trying to be taken place by Pilate. And we also see by the, the Jewish leaders. They're trying to manipulate Pilate to do what they want him to do. And we finally see Verses 33 to 35. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Pilate was being manipulated once again. The last scripture here today is chapter 19, verses 13 to 15. Pilate got to the place to where he didn't know what to do. He's trying to get out of this. Have you ever tried to get out of something that you know you were legally bound to? I didn't know it said that. I didn't realize that's what it meant. Here's what Pilate says. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out, sat down at the judgment seat in that place that was called the pavement, but in Hebrew called Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover and the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, imagine this, the chief priest, the priest of the temple. We don't have a king but Caesar. Trying to manipulate Pilate to do what they wanted him to do. It's important for us to understand that through all these situations, 
there were people that came back after, after Jesus was risen from the dead, that they came and they repented for what they said or what they did. I know that each one of us have done things. I don't know what you've done. Maybe your spouse doesn't even know what you've done. But you know in your mind and in your heart what you're guilty of. Nobody knows. And we want to keep the secret. And when we address people and when we talk to people, we want to think, think what a good person we are. And God looks down at us and says, there is no one righteous. You need to come to me. You need to ask for forgiveness. No matter what you're going on, in, no matter what's going on in your life, nobody knows. But God does. You see, that's why it's so important that we understand that Jesus came so that we could be forgiven. Amen. So that we could not have the guilt and the manipulation that other people try to put on us, we can be clean and have a clean conscience before God. God wants us to be clean. Why would he send his son? Why would, the, why would this be so important of a day that we would celebrate because of what Jesus did for each one of us personally. I'm going to ask us to just bow our heads. And I, I don't feel like this is a, a, a far stretch for us to just be honest with ourselves and with God and say, is there something on my heart that God's talking to me that I should come up and talk to him about. Don't be embarrassed. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm just trying to help us to all be honest to God. Dear God, I pray right now that our hearts are open and that our minds are focused on what you want in our lives. So, Father, I pray that you will help us to be truthful. Help us to be humble. Help us to realize that there's only one way to get true forgiveness. Does this make us perfect? No, it doesn't. But it makes us forgiven. So, Father, I pray that you'll help us to be honest to you right now.